everyone, and welcome to the Contingency Planet Podcast. My name is Jedi Master Dave, and with me as always is Darth Austin. Hello, everyone. Well, everybody, back again. Another week we have survived, and we are we're back in the High Republic. Back yes. in the High Republic. In multiple ways. We've got a comic to go through, and then we've got ourselves a, a new book to review. Yeah, it's kind of funny how the comics have sort of fallen neatly in place when we've been doing the, the book reviews, so that we sort of have two yeah. different things to talk about. That's a nice little bite-sized story, though. I, I look forward to the High Republic comics. I do like the art style quite a bit, so it's been fun. Yeah, it, yeah, I, I, I agree, and we'll, we'll talk about that when we actually open that up. But yeah, I, I do agree the, the art style has been, has been pretty cool. So, yes, more High Republic, uh, Into the Dark. This was our, our Claudia Gray book. This was sort of our kind of teenage-ish reader, I believe. I actually believe that they're putting this. And let me actually confirm this real quick, but I, I want to say that they're putting this in, like, the 8 to 12 range. Oh, really? Huh. <clears throat> yeah, because I, I know before we started, I believe we were both... Yeah, well, it's a, okay. So Amazon characterizes it as young adult, so they don't really have an age range. Goodreads said the eight to twelve, so young adult. Um, and I'll tell you one thing, <laughs> I didn't notice it because I I pre-ordered this with a with a credit. Right now, Amazon's Amazon's a little wild. Okay, so the book is the hardcover, thirteen ninety nine. Guess how much the audio book is without looking at it. Oh my God. (laughs) $33.69 for the audiobook. And I want to say that this one was what, 11 hours? Yeah, roughly. Uh, Where is it? Oh, so there was a reading. So Amazon has a reading level from 12 to 18, so a little bit more. Oh, because I didn't click on audiobook. That's why I'm not finding <laughs> I'm not finding the read time. Eleven hours, eleven minutes. So eleven eleven on the dot. That's pretty high priced. I, a little bit, yeah. Narrated that's, that's by Dan two Bittner, months too. Of, that's two months of an audible subscription. <laughs> yeah, uh true. True, true, true. But I you know, when, when, originally when I started Audible, right? I was buying the expensive books, getting the two credits a month, buying the expensive books, and then, you know, maybe I'd buy a couple more because they were cheap. But that's what I reserved credits for were the super expensive ones. And sure. I, I'm actually looking through Dan, Dan's uh, sort of material here that he's read. Is this his first Star Wars book? This might be his first Star Wars book. He's really? done quite a bit, but it looks like it might be because I, you know, obviously <clears throat> the first thing I think about is Mark Thompson. Right. We, we have We've other narratives. to him in well over 20 books probably at this point. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's so synonymous with, with everything Star Wars audiobook, And, you know, I, Bittner did a, a fine job of reading even, um, he did when we had a very, you know, spoilers, 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 mixed spoilers, sandwich. Um, even when we had a very brief uh, cameo from Marcion Rowe, he read it the exact same way. So I, I didn't, I didn't feel like there was any sort of um, uh, loss or or whatever. 
you drop off. But yeah, I mean, I'm just I'm, I'm literally just scrolling, and he's got several pages of stuff here, but it doesn't look like he's done any Star Wars, other Star Wars aside from this one. Weird, very. But yeah, so anyway, that was that was just Amazon there. So yeah, a little little bit expensive on the audiobook side, but if you have Audible, you're you're probably probably okay. Um, but yeah, we're gonna go through that book. We're gonna go through the comic and uh, and roll through, you know, whatever we can get through. Um, not a ton on the news front, uh, at least not not much that we we really want to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, you know, not, I mean, there's, there's a ton of books that will be coming out, you know, you get your pre-orders in, you know, Thrawn, uh, geez, I don't really want to look this up. Price again. of freedom <laughs> or pri- is a price of freedom? Uh, price of victory, price of victory. Well, let me, let me just, let me get official here. I'll pull up Utini. Because that's usually what I like to use. Um, So let's see. Upcoming releases. March 2nd, we have Victory's Price. So that will be, I believe, the final in the Alphabet Squadron uh, series there by Alexander Freed. Hopefully. (laughs) Well, it could turn around. Sometimes (laughs) middle books have trouble. Um, So we have that. We've got... It looks like on April 6th, they're going to drop a book adaption of the Dr. Afra um, audio drama, which they which mm. they did with Dooku. I have that one. I don't know if I'm going to yeah. buy the Afra. Afra was okay. Um, and then we have Thrawn Ascendancy Greater Good, and that drops on April 22nd. Or, excuse me, 27th. And we have reviewed uh, the first Ascendancy book, correct? Yes, Chaos Rising. Okay. We did. We yes. did indeed do that one. So we'll the have to get sort of that the, right away. Yeah, the, the prequel, the the prequel yeah. to the the Thrawn sort of series. Very good stuff. And Timothy Zahn, I think, is definitely going to be around for a lot more with Thrawn. Then we have on June 29th, the Rising Storm, Kevin Scott, mm-hmm. uh, coming through with more High Republic. And this is when we're, we're hoping we're getting into Stellan Geos. This is the one yeah. I've actually been pretty interested in because I want to hear more about Geos personally. And then um, kind of rounding out the year. Well, okay, so let me back up just a little bit. We do have one more young adult novel uh, from, again, from Justina Ireland, Out of the Shadows. So that will be coming in July, July 27th. And then the last adult novel, <clears throat> November 2nd, uh, no cover, uh, doesn't even look like a title, but the, uh, a Mandalorian novel from Adam Christopher, mm-hmm. which is something I think a lot of people had been uh, kind of interested in, kind yeah. of interested in. So we'll, we'll see, we'll see what that, what that looks like and... Maybe if that coincides with the release of our of our next season, but also have a ton of comics and everything ranging from main Star Wars line, which we talked about last week, Vader, which we're going to talk about sometime next month, Bounty Hunters, Doctor Afra, the Adventure series, High Republic. Um, yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot. Yeah. There is a lot. 
So a lot of good stuff. Oh, and uh, Smuggler's Run, I think. I have. I don't know if they were doing more issues of Smuggler's Run. It was kind of like a... I know that there are two out. It's sort of like a little Han, you know, Star Wars adventure, the kid, kid yeah, comic. Yeah. I, I don't know if they're doing more than I think they are. Maybe. Mm, maybe. But anyway, I don't have a lot of time, so I, I, I can't. I can't just do all this research for you. Okay. I just expect you, the listener, to know to everything. scream at us because you already know. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, goodness. So, yeah, a lot coming up in that realm. Potentially, you know, I don't know. Are we going to see anything uh, anything else drop? Star Wars, you know, uh, Disney Plus. Um, obviously, probably not cinematic, but well, we'll maybe Disney Plus. Well, we'll have Boba this year, correct? We do have that to look uh, forward to. We'll see. Potentially. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. <laughs> potentially, potentially. I mean, it, it's... Could be, uh, you know, I don't know, Kenobi. I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, that was that's been jerked around here and there quite a bit, hasn't it? So, if I've learned anything the past couple of years being a Star Wars fan is just to not think about it and be pleasantly surprised when they drop something randomly because well, they don't yeah. they don't build up a lot of anticipation like they used to. <laughs> well, true, and and you know, honestly, I think we're we're kind of in the same thought pattern there where. You know, obviously, we're going to watch all the stuff that yeah. comes out. We're going to read. We're going to we're going to dive into it. But you know, if it doesn't come out, it's not breaking my heart. You know, sure. It, and I'm not going to spend every day reading theories on when this might come out, what's going to happen here, because that's just maddening. <laughs> well, listen. If you sit around listening to theories every day, uh, you would have already known that Kathleen Kennedy has been fired from Disney, and John Favreau. <laughs> has anointed Dave Filoni as his apprentice. And, uh, you know, we're rebooting the sequel trilogy 10 times over. And but it's also in a different universe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so I, I mean, living in the world of theories is, is a difficult path. Um, it's f- more fun for me to theorize about existing literature or something like that. Like, yeah. The little tiny things that crop up in books that you're kind of like, hmm, could this be a reference to this thing or mm-hmm. that thing? And and then you yeah. can... I, I feel like it's much more entertaining to reread a book than to read a random theory that has nothing to do with the literature, so I'd agree with you on that. You always catch something new every time you reread or listen to something, so yeah, there are so many theories in that alone. Why would you want to search the internet for theories. Yeah, and I mean granted we do and we have. We do. But <laughs> we It's a guilty pleasure. I won't lie. Yeah. But I mean Star Wars I, theory is one of my favorite YouTube channels still and I'm just saying that we shouldn't do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean that's that's never really been our our podcast. We've been based a little bit more in in the literary sense and, you know, a little bit more grounded into existing media. As opposed to, but I mean, we did do a lot of speculation before Rise of Skywalker, and you yeah, know, yeah. we we've saved the the universe a few times with our <laughs> with our fixes and patches, and you know, you, you get your cyberpunk patch going. We could probably fix cyberpunk for all the gamers, man. We probably could have fixed sure. that game. Just give us a sure. give us an episode to talk it out. We we would have relaunched that yeah. billion dollar franchise and been Elon Musking it up in space in no time. Yeah, see, all you guys really need is to create a 
translation device that takes what we say and put that in computer code and add that to a patch in your game, and we can fix every game out there. I could somehow fix the old PlayStation 2 glitchy games that don't offer updates. We'll figure it out. Oh, yeah, it's it's why I was actually watching. So because, like, you know, the, um, like, E3 and a lot of the... Um, packs and all that stuff. You know, the, the video game conferences weren't able to go out. Steam put out a bunch of like indie, like indie demos, right? Yeah. So yeah. demos of indie games. And some of them were interesting, but one of the trends that I, I found kind of fascinating is that there were a lot of games that were like pixelated like they were like, um, oh, okay. So here, here's here's a good. I think here, this is a good analogy. I remember you used to play that Sly Cooper game, like back <laughs> in the day. I don't think yeah. it was like your favorite, but I remember you playing it. And like the the initial one, how it wasn't like very great, but it was like an artsy kind of comic book thing. But then when yeah. they did like, I think they did a reboot, or maybe it was just the next gen console that had, it, and everything was like smoothed out and and everything. Mm. So a lot of these games <clears throat> that I was seeing are like they pixelate things on purpose, but things are very smooth, yeah. you know? So it's like, it's, it's like HD, but there's like also pixelation. So trying to, uh, you know, boomerify games, so to speak, <laughs> but while still trying to, to appeal to the zoomers, I guess. Although I have to say like, I wasn't overly impressed with any of the games that I saw. Uh, one Twitch yeah. streamer like played through. I was like, "Well, indie indies need to." Uh, what was the um, what's that imposters game? Uh, Among Us. Among Us. Yeah. I, I mean, Among Us was an indie game, and it just yeah. happened to catch on fire. Th- that sort of stuff happens all the time. I think right now, what is um, the one I've been watching? Like, uh, it's either Valheim. I think. I think is like a new one. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't think it's really even an alpha. It might, it might be alpha, but it's not, I don't think it's finished. Um, but you know, there's some rough around the edges, but clearly semi polished and everything. Anyway, this isn't a gaming podcast. Uh, it's amazing what people are willing to play before they're actually completed though. Yeah. Like go through all the crap. It's like. All, all the people that went through Skyrim when it first came out and it was super buggy. It's like, this wasn't enough for me. I need more pain. Well, things like H1Z1 or even the early yeah. like PUBG stuff, you know, that was all Arc. alphas. Ark was pretty rusty too. Yeah, Ark yeah. and Rust and, and everything. So, yeah, for sure. If you want to listen to game stuff, go go listen to my buddy's podcast called Box Trick. He'll talk, he'll talk games and stuff. You <laughs> go over there. Um, anyway, so we are obviously going to jump into these, but because we're about 15 minutes in, I think it's appropriate to ask how your week was. Uh, week two of the great snowstorm of 21. <laughs> We've ran out of food. I'm now eating my dog. Oh, it's been rough. God. I'm still going to work. I'm still able to drive around, but we, we just don't have any food. <laughs> No, it's been all right. Not too bad. Uh, it's kind of weird recording this early into the week. Don't have the weekend to talk about, really. But, mm-hmm. yeah, it's been been a pretty boring week. A little overtime at work. Been picking that up. So, listening to the book and reading the comics. Really the highlight of the week. 
<laughs> yeah, um, and, and getting into Valhalla a little more. You know, keep chugging along with that. Finally, watching that after being ten years late. <laughs> yeah, sorry, and Valhalla. I'm sorry, Vikings. Vikings. Valhalla is yeah. the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, and and yeah, we're, we're, we are recording this on a Thursday. Generally, we we record on Saturday, but you know, apparently the Darth has things to do, so uh, you know, can't be Darth bothered. Bir- Darth birthday party. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, that, that's that's pretty much you know what we're doing now. But yeah, it's still been still been crappy. It's very cold here in the state of Ohio. Still have some snow falling here and there. Um, I I actually so last night I went to the comic book store to get the Vader issue ten and to try and fill out your collection because like <laughs> some of them are hard to find and I didn't really find anything. Sorry, um, but on my way back, you know I I, I had to drop a package off to the post office. Uh, you know so I'm I'm going through town on my way back to my house um over by where that uh, chinese restaurant that we we've eaten at a few times yeah some guy in a little toyota tacoma just like goes like he's gonna try and gun it out in front of me you know Mm because he you know it's one of those two lanes with the middle lane and uh you know he's trying to turn left and turning left on that street is kind of hard which is why you don't do it. You you turn right, you go mm-hmm. to the light, and then you try and turn left at the light. But whatever. I mean, what do I know? I you know I'm just smart. <laughs> um, but anyway, he goes to gun it like he's going to try and gun in front of me, which is stupid because there's nobody after me. Yeah. Um, but it's it's snowed. It, it was in the process of still snowing and it was icy, and he just sort of like slips, and he does get it stopped. But like I mean, I, I mean you know. It's PG, pretty PG show, but I flipped him the bird so hard. <laughs> like I, I have zero patience for that kind of stuff. I really don't. Um, yeah. Y- y- slow down. There, there's zero reason to do that kind of crap. There's no reason to be in a hurry. Yeah, I agree. I had someone. Uh, I was on my way home, and someone was trying to change lanes, and pretty, pretty came pretty close to sideswiping me, and I. <laughs> speed up after they get back in their lane. I look at them and he just kind of waves and go and mouths sorry. It's like don't be sorry, just don't be an idiot. You know, pay yeah. attention. <laughs> yeah. So you road raged after him. <laughs> no, no. I well, I didn't I didn't really gun it. I just kind of passed him and I can't gun it. My turbo lag's bad. Oh, <laughs> it's a tiny car. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you just just be safe out there. I mean, there there's there's no there's really no reason, you know, to be in a big hurry when it's crappy out. That's that's yeah. what causes the accidents and potentially gets you hurt. And again, it's it's just not worth it. So, this way, this has patience. been your this has been your contingency plan PSA for the day. The without, more you know. Without patience while driving, you might turn to the dark side and road rage a little bit. <laughs> I have patience while driving. There's been a few times I've left your house during snowstorms. It's taken me like three hours to get home. Yeah. I remember one time I, the four-wheel drive of my truck went out halfway home, and I went five miles an hour the entire way home because it's back roads. Yeah. It was great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no doubt. So anyway, let's go ahead and uh, burn through this comic real quick, and then we'll get into uh, into our book. So yeah. again, Star Wars: The High Republic comic, uh, Marvel issue two here. 
And I actually think we can roll through this pretty quickly because honestly, yeah, not this a, one was short. Yeah, no, it did. It felt really short, which uh, which is what it is. But it does introduce uh, two new characters, which were were they on the? I don't have the other one. Uh, actually, I do. Uh, they weren't on the cover of the first one, unless they were on the cover of a variant. But anyway, you saw them in other art, but the sort of like twins. Um, yeah. Uh, Sarit and Tarek. Sound right? Sarit and yeah, I would say that's how you pronounce it. Sure. <laughs> cool. Well, they're they're uh, <clears throat> what exactly did she call them? Bond twins, identical yeah. Bond twins. Bond, James Bond. Um, so are they a dyad in the Force? That actually, that be twins. That, you know what? That's an interesting <laughs> thought. Uh, they they do feel when. The other is emotionally distressed or is in pain. Yeah, they kind of r- share the same thoughts in a way. Yeah, they finish finish each each other's sandwiches. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So anyway, uh, you know, Skier is still on the war path here. Still got uh, he, one arm. Yeah, he's not calling. Still Keeve. mad about it. Yeah, he's not <laughs> calling Keeve by her first name anymore. Um, <laughs> Well, they find a ship that's been attacked, and there are bodies floating out in the in space. Nice, and nice blue, everything's blue. Yeah, even the bandoliers and the clothes, everything blue. Yeah. These twins are creepy, though, right? I mean, they, they totally seem like creeps. Yeah, like they're. I don't see how they're nice people. Anyway, there's gas on the ship. And mm-hmm. they realized that this is a nihil attack. Uh, they had gassed the crew, basically killed the entire crew. Um, you know, Skewer sort of makes them split up. Here, you take a twin, I'll take a twin. Yeah. And then they find something yeah, split, kind of... Split up the Bond twins, because yeah. that makes sense. Seems like they'd be more powerful together, but what do Who I know? Knows? Well, we do find something interesting, but before we find something interesting, we get a couple panels of exactly what happened to Skier, which... Um, Didn't that just make it worse, in a way? Well, see, here... Like, yeah, we here, talked about this during yeah. the book review, and it really bothered us. <laughs> right. So he got a big, giant piece of metal that just chunked his arm, but it, in these comic panels, we show that his, his, his canopy was completely destroyed. He yeah. was exposed to the vacuum of space. Yes, and he has no helmet. He has nothing. Not that even the helmet would save him. <laughs> so do Transdotions just not give an F about the vacuum of space now? I mean, what's going on? <laughs> well, if you really read the lore and you understand everything about Transdotions, you would understand that when they're hurt, they go into a transmorphic state, and then they can survive about anything for an extended period of time. It doesn't look like he's in a transmorphic state. It just looks like he's <laughs> pissed off, and he's going, ah, 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 ah. It was kind of weird, but he's having flashbacks. Skier is having yeah. flashbacks to a traumatic time. He's got and a then, PTSD. Yeah, exactly. 100%. So we do find something interesting, though. A big old dead hut. Yeah. You ever yep. seen a hut quite like that before? I'm sure it's out there, but that is my first time seeing a hut. Just floating on his little pod, dead. Yeah, he's a big cool. old fat fat hut too. Yeah, he was. Well fed. 
Then you well, got people just hanging from cables and stuff and on fire all around them. It was yeah. It's a cool visual. It was. Well, it it shows the brutality of the Nihil, you know, I, yeah. and I think we we joked a lot about them because they're like they've got their what did they call it their uh, their punk music what was it called um, oh, oh rock rock and electric Daft Punk or something like that we're gonna I'm gonna call it Daft Punk that's what they were listening to Daft Punk. I don't think it's Daft Punk you know they're doom, 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 on their ships and they're doing drugs and like oh yeah this is oh this is awesome yeah we're like we're the night hill we're super cool and then oh hold on it's my song around the world around the world (laughs) (laughs) and do that thing exactly the same way again (laughs) oh my goodness well anyway so keeve she does sense that there is somebody alive here Mm-hmm. However, Skier's having trouble. Like he's having trouble sensing anything in the force right now. Yeah, and they're attacked. They're attacked by a Nihil. Uh, one of our twins here is um, mildly shot. I guess it looks worse in the first panel. And then Skier basically, and, and let me confirm this with you because by this panel, it looks like he like chops him into pieces. He does. He chops them in half. And then he just keeps going. And by the yeah. way, when you see him, I don't, I don't know if you felt the same way, but when you see him above Skier getting ready to pounce on him, for a split second, did you think he was a Drangir? Because I thought he was a Drangir just by looking at his little like weird Venus flytrap face. I know we're kind of getting ahead of ourselves with the books. but I, I, I'll be honest. I didn't think about that. Okay. My, my thought was like, a couple of panels before when, when we have Skier just saying, have to do this the old-fashioned way, and he looks like, <laughs> like a Godzilla. Like, hunt, like a wolf. <laughs> yeah. Well, he, it's just, you know, his eyes are, like, blank, and he's got, like, a smile on his face. They yeah. really did a great job. And, and this is, in my opinion, this is kind of like the the cool part of the animation is is Skier mm-hmm. as he's just going nuts. And and he does. He hacks the Nihil into multiple pieces and, and Kiva just like Thank Farrick. <laughs> there was there was no way to disarm the coward. Uh I mean, you know, we're not making sashimi uh masters scare, you know, maybe you didn't have to like cut him in so many pieces. We we don't disrespect our enemies. Shut up, Avar. <laughs> you don't know what I'm going through. Yeah. And we and we do get we do get of our Chris here. Uh, they report to Starlight Beacon. And, uh, yeah, I mean, there, there's something, there's something wrong with Skier, but he, he does go off on his own again with one of the twins with the unhurt twin this time. Well, you're yes. hurt. You're hurt now. I got to take the other one. I'm not um, just going to take my former apprentice. I'm going to split up the twins yet again. <laughs> right. So they do find some, which I thought was funny when they called it barley. Yeah. Uh, an ingredient in Bacta, and it's space, barley. It's space barley. Can you make, can make Bacta out of it. Whatever. Also calf. Yeah. Which so is basically this, Star Wars beer, is what yeah. I could gather from what I've read. <laughs> well. Um, so anyway, uh, Skier and, and one of our twins go to the planet um, uh, Typhera, which yeah. is growing this... Back to barley. Mm-hmm. The old BB. Yeah. 
And uh, we get, well, a little bit later, we even get Avar leaving Starlight Beacon, so she's not really necessarily tied down. However, yeah, beforehand, uh, Skier loses another twin. He's not very good at helping these twins. He's really not. He shouldn't have split them up. <laughs> The well, twins are act- but the twins are also very easily distracted. I mean, this one's kind of asking for it. It's yeah. Like, oh, something pretty in the distance. I'm going to go in these tall barley well, plants. When it's Erodian. Or Erodian's like, hey, come here, kid. I got a <laughs> balloon for you. You want to come into this weird tentacle field and get attacked? By what? what do you, okay, so what do you think this is that attacked our twin? I don't know. From what we see, I can't really guess. Do you have any theories? I'm wondering if it's a hut. I could see that. Yeah. Well, here's the thing: Why would the huts have even had this this barley? Because it's not like it didn't seem like it had a lot of it. Okay, I feel like the huts have set up on this planet because. And not to get too far ahead of ourselves, but the huts are mentioned in Into the Dark. So yeah. I feel like right now the huts are making plays, and Bacta is new. It's not the thing that we know it is today. It's it's going to replace a medicinal uh, whatever. Maybe it's a goo. Maybe it's not. Um, but it's a time yeah. of potential war, and it's the best time to corner the market yeah. in this. So it would be a hut thing to do, for sure. And I'm, I'm just thinking maybe it's a little bit leaner hut, getting him with his tail or something. Yeah, know. yeah, we've seen huts squirm around before. It wouldn't be the first time. Yep. Just strangle a Jedi, why not? It's not like you would have been able to sense him or anything. <laughs> nah, strangling Jedi's fun. So we do get Avar and, um, oh, man, you know, I'm Keeve. just... Huh? Oh, Keeve. No, the the um, the apprentice, or the uh, Jedi Knight from uh, Test of Courage. That's our... That's our secondary character who comes with. Um, oh who, yeah, who comes with a Varkris. Uh, um, she was even mentioned in the new book. <laughs> I should remember. I, I've this. got I've got to find the name, and you guys you guys at home know I'm I'm we're both pretty terrible pretty terrible with names, but I I will hopefully, Vernestra. Vernestra Rowe. Vernestra right. Rowe. Yeah, that's right. So Vernestra's there. So she she's involved. That's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I I I liked her. I liked I her in too. Test of Courage. Yeah. So, what, our youngest uh, Jedi Knight. Yeah. In a long time. Which so, isn't necessarily impressive, when, but we'll get to that later. <laughs> no. Anyway. So, yeah, we we, we got to talk about that. Anyway. Yeah. So, yes. The twin is taken. Skier goes out to find him. Lightsaber in the sand. Um, and that's kind of where we end. So Skier's yeah. on the rampage. Both twins are <laughs> having bad days. Yeah. Uh, Keeve is sort of, I don't know. She's left in limbo, a little uncertain, yeah. possibly. We don't get a lot of her in this one. And it, it's kind of unclear how much we're going to follow her compared to Skier in this comic. It's kind of leaning more towards Skier at this point. I feel like I feel like we'll f- see more of her in the third issue. Now, yeah. I, I'm just from the comic the tagline for issue three, Jedi Akeev will never be the same after confronting mm-hmm. the horrifying truth on Cedric Minor. If she falls, so too falls the Republic. 
Cool cover too. Very cool cover. Yes, it is. It is very neat. Um, issue four's cover is one we talked about, where possibly you know Skier's going a little nutty, mm-hmm. <laughs> tying everybody up with his plant hand. Yeah, I don't know. Keeve is becoming an interesting character to me to an extent. I do like her in general. I feel she like if be. we could get, I I would kind of like to see her in a book and get a little more backstory into her. Uh, her and her and Vernester is actually two of probably my favorite new characters. I would say, I I would agree with you on the, that. The, the female knights and padawans are really killing in this, and I feel like the male ones have been kind of letting me down a little bit. We'll we'll, we'll get into it, but I I yeah. know I know what you mean. I mean, obviously, I'm still waiting. I'm still waiting for Stellan Geos. I think yeah, El, Elzar yeah. Man is pretty op. I can't uh, wait I, for more Elzar. I gotta, you know, I mean, he created a storm along with with Chris, so they're yeah. they're both pretty op. But um, anyway, that was issue two of the High Republic comic. Let's go ahead and start diving into into the dark because there are things that we need to talk about that I just don't want to blurt out without kind of going through this book. Yeah, um, some things that we really need to probably speculate a little bit about. Now, in this particular book. I thought it was going to be very, very heavy on Padawan Roth Silas, who is the Padawan of the unfortunately now deceased Jorah Mali. Which is something we were really excited about. Yes. And it didn't quite, it wasn't quite his story alone. I think, and I'm going to be honest about this, I think they tried to put too many characters in this book. Um, They did. Yeah. And a couple of them just kind of fell a little flat for me. But I will say this, just in the in the interim here, this book was so much easier to follow. It was so much better written. And no, again, no offense repetitive. to Light of the Jedi. I like Light of the Jedi. But the repetition in Light of the Jedi really brought it down. We already talked about that. This book was written in a very fluid manner. So I appreciated that, even if we're going to label this a young adult novel. Yeah, I would too. Um I think an issue we're kind of running into with High Republic, which we didn't get with the last young adult novel because of just how few characters it introduced. Yeah. But, and, and maybe this isn't their fault. It's a new series. It's a new timeline. We have to introduce quite a few characters all at once. I get that. But it never quite feels like we have a main character in any of these books, except for Vernestra. Yeah. Vernestra is the only main character we really get, truthfully. No, I, I agree. Yeah, I think that they that the Justine Ireland did a really good job of highlighting who her main character was, and Reese Silas again. I mean, like he's on the cover along with Affy, and and that's great. But then we just we th- we threw in more characters, and too many. Yeah, and we'll, we'll we'll talk about them as we go. But essentially, we start off sort of. A bit in parallel at times, maybe a little pre-Light of the Jedi, <laughs> with uh, Reith Silas, who is on Coruscant. Uh, Jorah Molly has taken the assignment for Starlight Beacon, and she is trying to bring him out. And he doesn't want to go, but he has a little he party wants. with his friends. And they get some... Drinks a little bit. Music going and, you know, having, ha- you know, drinking some things that Padawans probably shouldn't be drinking. We don't know what it is, but I mean, I'm assuming it's bad. You know, I, I'm just, I'm saying, you know, they're going a little wild. Nice going a little wild stuff. on Coruscant. 
Lots of nice awkward stuff in this book. (laughs) (laughs) Underage drinking. The cops are going to get them. They're going to have to run in the fields. I mean, I can't. We came from a small town, so if cops are coming, you run in the field, run in the forest. You know, climb a tree, maybe. That never. I don't think you do that in Coruscant. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so this guy's kind of a nerd too. He's he's a bookish individual. He likes the city life. He likes the. Mm -hmm. I think he he enjoys the the splendor of it. But one thing that we get about Wreath very, very early on is he's not necessarily as gifted in the force as some others are. At least that's the way he feels. So he's, but he certainly struggled for everything he's earned. Right. But, and yeah, in that struggle, he has constantly overprepared, which is what you, you know, and this, this is actually, I think a really good thing to highlight and I'm sorry if this hurts people's feelings, but like not everybody is going to win the race. Not everybody is going to get the gold medal or nor should they. Um, there has to be some point where you are allowed to achieve and achieve based upon your merits. But that doesn't mean you can't. You can, but sometimes you have to put in a little bit of extra effort. And in Reith's case, he's constantly studying He's over-preparing. He's reading about stuff that he might need to know about. He's retaining it. So he's got a good mind. It's just he's got to work a little bit more on that force connection, you know? And it's just work. You could actually argue that his character is kind of similar to Obi-Wan. Because Obi-Wan had to struggle for everything that he earned as well. He had to work harder than most Padawans. He, you know, he kind of fell behind. And Reese the same way. And... He, he knows this, and he has adapted properly, and I, th- I think that he is a good Jedi, personally. Yeah. I don't think I he's... I think he can be, yeah. Yeah. He's got well, a lot of potential. And that's an interesting... I'm, I, that's a really, really good shout, because Claudia Gray also wrote Master and Apprentice, mm-hmm. right? And so there's, she, there's she, a good dichotomy there between I, the two. Yeah, and I, I think maybe she took a little bit of Obi-Wan... And place it in Reith Silas here, you know, kind of the kid yeah. who, who has to go by the rules. He doesn't want to break the rules, but you know, he needs to practice. He needs to do this. He needs to do that. Maybe he's a little uncertain, and he wants to do things a certain way. And people around him challenge him because, like Jora, Jora Molly constantly is challenging him, just like Obi or Qui Gon challenged Obi Wan. Like mm-hmm. y- you remember that part where um, Obi Wan was was just doing the the basic like the basic um, lightsaber combat drills. And he was yeah. like, well, why don't you run me through like a, like a form or teach me forms or have me learn forms? He's like, well, I wanted you to get down this to where it's second nature so that you're not tied to any one form. You can learn anything. You can do anything because you have the, the base down so well. And it's mm-hmm. kind of in a way – there are some parallels there, which is which is kind of cool. Well, getting a little bit further into book without trying to spoil it right away, we have a a little lightsaber battle where he's even saying, you know, I I can't really I can't go on the offensive, but I could, you know, go through these stances and defend myself without even thinking about it for a very long period of time. Right. So it's second nature to him as well. I mean, he's a very good defensive Jedi. Uh, yeah, he, he's definitely good in form four, I would say. No doubt. So we have the party and he is, uh, you know, kind of getting ready to go to Starlight Beacon. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And this is where, <clears throat> excuse me, where we kind of pick up with one of Jorah Molly's former Padawans and now Jedi Knight, Des Rydan. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just going to say it here. I think he might be the most useless character I've ever read. Yeah. So he, much potential. So he, much potential. So much buildup. <laughs> he, he gets lost in the sauce too easily for me. Like, I just find myself forgetting about him. Yeah. You know, and, and the way they wrote in what happens with him through this book is it doesn't help you care about him anymore. It really yeah. doesn't. Yeah, it's kind of strange. Um, and then we get our next Jedi, uh, Orla Jereni, who has recently declared herself to be a way seeker. Mm-hmm. Um, and she is kind of like, she's almost kind of in that Ahsoka mold where it, yeah. she's not she's not really out of the Jedi Order, but she's not really in either. Bit, bit of gray in her, I would say. Yeah, and we'll talk about her a little bit more because there's some interesting things there. And then finally, we have apparently Jedi. Yeah, apparently <laughs> Jedi Master Comac uh, Vitus, and and I'll be honest, like, and I could be wrong, but I feel like there were times in this book where they called him a Jedi Knight. Oh, I think you're right. I would have I to go I back, know. but I feel like I don't know. I only noticed the master <laughs> status near the end of the book. Yeah, when they referred to it, mainly Reef referring to him as one. Yeah, well, and he's um, he's he's like a scholar. Yeah, folklore stuff like that. Um, so kind of interesting, but uh, let's let's actually slam through the story and then we'll do individual profiles on these folks. Is that okay? Yeah, that's fine. Uh, before we jump ahead, though, I did kind of want to get your opinion on this. When we got to this point and we have all these Jedi meeting up, didn't you feel like that was a bit much, truthfully? Yeah. I mean, it kind of goes back to the we got too many new characters thing, but, like, they might not all end up going to the same area in the mid-rim, but it's just odd. Like, you know from the beginning these characters are going to stick around each other, so it's just a weird right. step to have four Jedi. I mean, three's usually it, more than enough. Yeah, I mean, it, it did seem it did seem a little odd, um, but they're trying to tell stories. You know, yeah. they're trying to tell the story, story of Orla Jereni, who's different from Cor- uh, Comac, who's got his story, and... Des doesn't really have a story, but he becomes a plot device for something later. He does. So, yeah, I mean, I'm totally with you, but, like, yes, it did feel a bit overkill. Yeah. Felt a bit overkill. Like, I feel like you could have either written Comac or Orla, one of the two. I think you could have just stopped at them. You, You could have thrown one of those characters to another writer and let them add him in. Or you... Or you could have had both Orla and Comac and Slice and no Dez. Dez and then yeah. just given that the role of Dez that kind of comes up later to one of the other, yeah, but still tell their combined story. Because the thing is, is Orla and Comac are very close. Um, yes. You know, they kind of came up a little bit together. So I almost think it would have been cool. And th- again, this is all speculation, kind of getting off topic, but I imagine you probably feel the same way. If they had not had deaths, and it would have been these two, 
I think it would have been kind of cool to diverge near the end of the story where Reef has a decision to make between these two. Which master would he want? Sure. I think I think that would have been kind of cool because they're different enough in the Force that it would have been a big decision for Reef. Like, okay, well, what path do I really want to take? Sure, sure. So let's go ahead and, and bounce on here because we then meet a ship called The Vessel. The Vessel. <laughs> That's the name, uh, which is a part of the Bind Guild, uh, which is, you know, shipping, receiving, possibly smuggling. Who knows? Um, and this is captain by Leox uh, Giasi. Giasi? I don't remember how it was pronounced. It was pronounced Giasi, I think. <laughs> okay, there or we go. Jossy. It was Jossy. Well, let me tell you a little about Leox, man. He wears some beads and open neck shirts. He's got a he rock likes. for a buddy, and he totally does not have sex. Okay. And he does not have an addiction to death sticks, man. He does not <laughs> have an addiction. It is medicinal, man. Oh, man. Le- Leox, Leox is the Jack Sparrow hippie of, of this book. He's comical at times. I really feared for his life throughout this book. <laughs> but I got to say, though, I liked him. I, I do, too. Really, he was very entertaining, and he never... He was who he was. You knew who he was, and yeah. he stuck true to it. I liked it throughout. The he's whole book. he's just a different guy, you know, flying by his own rules. He he doesn't yeah. necessarily have a master. He's just here, man. Um, his co-pilot is Affy Hollow, and uh, then we have um, <clears throat> Geo, Geo, dude. I mean. Geo. <laughs> oh my god, Gia dude. Oh yes, the 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 joke that actually wasn't I'm I apologize, Claudia. I mean I love you to death. You you write great books. But uh, the joke that really wasn't a joke, like it really yeah. wasn't a great joke. The joke is he's a living being. <laughs> I mean he's a rock, but he's also and we a all sentient he being. Yeah. Yeah, his stare comforted me somehow. And he's a partier, man. He likes oh, he, going to the clubs. He, <laughs> he, <laughs> he likes going the to the club. He's probably the opposite of Jossie, you know. He, he likes getting the ladies, man. Oh, my God. He's, he, he, he'll, just, he'll just never Geo slow down, the man. Rock Johnson. <laughs> Geode the Rock Johnson. Oh, my God. Oh yes, Geode never talks. Um, he is their navigator. But he gives you a lot of knowing looks, though. A lot of knowing looks. A nice rock to rock shoulder to put your head on, and yeah. I don't know. It's weird. So anyway, he's a rock, <clears throat> a large rock, by the way, that moves and apparently can talk and parties and doesn't Does slow down for anybody. Do they give him a co-pilot seat? Or does he I just kind of sit on the floor? You know, that's a good question. I really don't does know. Does he hop? Do rocks hop? <laughs> you know, I, I feel like he's like a transformer. Like when people aren't looking, he he sprouts arms and legs and just... What was that noise? It sounded like transforming. I don't know, man. I hear that every once in a while, but I look around and never find anything. Yeah. <laughs> it just feel, It just sounds like a lot of rocks grinding together. I don't know what Geode's in there doing. <sighs> I don't really want to know either. <laughs> yeah. So the vessel is their conveyance uh, 
out to Starlight Beacon. However, this also coincides with our with our disaster of the Legacy Run. Mm-hmm. And interestingly enough, they are like right there. Yeah. They see it. Yeah. And and Leox actually and thinks at first that it was the Legacy Run. Yeah, he's able to actually tell which ship it was. In hyperspace, by the way. Okay. Well, I think it was a piece that they saw anyway, which still doesn't yeah. make sense because apparently they were they were supposed to all be traveling at light speed, the pieces. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. So it was, how did they sync up with that? That was a little bit confusing, but okay, sure. Uh, again, Star Wars, don't try to expound on hyperspace. You're going to write yourself into a corner. It's going to get bad. <laughs> yeah. So they are effectively grounded, and Affy, who's, I guess, foster mother, adoptive mother, Scoverbine, who's the leader of the Bind Guild, uh, you know, she thinks she might have been on that ship because the Legacy Run was effectively the guild's main ship. Flagship. Yeah, yeah it was the flagship. Ship in the, yeah. Despite the fact that it was old as crap. <laughs> well maintained, though, by yeah. the captain. Yes. Um, So eventually they find a, well, Geode plots a course when they are able to travel, and it takes them to some random spot of space, and they find a uh, a space station. (sighs) Space station of death. (laughs) Basically. What a terrible place. Um, There are some other characters here. Uh, We get Nan, who, I mean, not to spill the beans, but we're already spilling the beans, winds up being a Nihil. Yes. Um, And she, her and, uh, her and Wreath sort of, Eh, are friendly, I guess. Wreath R- actually saves her from being kidnapped at one point by one of the more, mm-hmm. you know, unscrupulous characters that that was also on the station. And they both share things with each other where Wreath tells her more about the Jedi and she doesn't really tell him anything directly, but you know, her parents are dead. Um she's under the care of, uh, was it Hague, I think, or Hogue or Hague or whatever his Hague, name was. Yeah. He was an older Nihil that was very uh, clever, I guess. And, you know, none the wiser. Didn't know that they were Nihil. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess aside from the big event with Dez, is there anything else much to talk about? I mean, the infighting happened. They all kind of were trying to scrap this. Everybody was, like, trying to get a piece of the station. Yeah. So that happened. But unfortunately, while exploring the station, uh, Dez is conceivably killed. Mm -hmm. Potentially vaporized by these, these energy rings. Mm-hmm. Um, and by the way, let me just, I was actually searching for the name cause I didn't remember it right off the top of my head, but this station was built by an ancient civilization called the Amaxines. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, <clears throat> as we get a little bit further on, they were kind of a conquering species, I guess, but mm-hmm. were always very well informed and nobody really understood how they did it. Um, how they were able to expand the way they did, we'll learn how eventually. Yeah. But, you know, Dez is conceivably killed, vaporized, and this affects everybody pretty hard, at least the Jedi Mm -hmm. does. However, Non and Wreath aren't necessarily wholly convinced, so they do a little little searching and realize that the rings, um, which were used to power ships, um, basically just let out an airlock. So it was like yeah. a ship launch. So he, oh, he's dead. Dead or in a doornail. All right. Yeah. Um, now, we do get a little bit about the plant life on the ship. There's giant like forest type of deal there are bots um eight eight t which i i could have sworn that in the book he was just saying a like the letter a t but it's apparently eight the number eight oh t. it is it that's really? what it says eight yeah, it didn't sound t. like eight <laughs> no yeah because he wasn't enunciating it i could have yeah. it sounded like he was saying a t but I, he was just saying it fast i guess um and you know the the nobody was able to touch the plants. The droids were very territory about their plants, yeah. which was funny. Um, and I guess the only other thing that's kind of notable during this time is we are getting flashbacks from yeah. Comac and Orla's past twenty five years ago. And I, and I also want to put this out there, I visualized Orla young Mm -hmm. and I visualized Comac older. Yeah. Yeah. Even though they're about the same age and and I don't know if it's, it it was the voices or if it was just, you know, sometimes you just get a, well, Comac doesn't have a voice that at least in this, again, this is an audio thing. A lot of you guys aren't going to get this. You might have your own, interpretation in your mind while reading the book of what they sound like, but Comac has a very authoritative voice in this audiobook, and he yeah. sounds older, at least in his 40s, 50s, I would say. So it was yeah. very hard to imagine him anything but old, and it was the exact opposite with Orla. Well, I wouldn't say like old, old, but I, I kind of I viewed him, yeah, in his 40s. That's kind yeah. of the way. That's kind of the way I visualized him. But again, you know, if he's a master, shouldn't he be? <laughs> really? Yeah. And, and 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 folks at home, the the reason we talk so much about the audiobook is like obviously me and the Darth still read as much as we can. But like in order to get through a lot of stuff, we do use Audible as a crutch. I can listen to it while I'm working. He can listen to it yeah. while he's working, uh, driving, all that sort of stuff. It does help get through stories a lot faster. But Again, I pretty much we'd be two, three weeks out on some of these to be honest. Yeah, for sure. But you know, it's still there's still a lot of great stuff in the audiobooks, as well, which is why I continue to do it. But yeah, I mean, even with that, I kind of visualize like Comac is sort of like a bigger guy, like yeah. maybe a little bit more muscular, broad shouldered, tall. I feel like he's tall. Yeah. Um, Orla, I kind of feel like she's you know 
I have this picture of like this, you know, sort of slender, but powerful, sort of like the gymnast body, but taller. You know what almost, I mean? Almost a bit like Asajj, truthfully, is how I envision her. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's a good, and not because uh, the picture that they have up no. on like Wikipedia just, is like, I she is like bone white. Yeah, no. I didn't even catch that when we were going through the book. And then yeah. I saw this picture. I was like, oh, she, she's bone white, yeah. man. And it did definitely, my first thought was that looks exactly like Asajj. Yeah. So that yeah, that's kind of that that is that is a good shout. But even with Asage, I mean, I didn't I, her her age was so ambiguous as it was. Yeah. But um, so anyway, twenty five years before uh, Orla uh, Comac, Master Simix, who was Comac's master, and Master Larrett, who was Orla's master, were on a mission to save some dignitaries who had been uh, kidnapped by Lasat of all people. Mm-hmm. And who was working for the huts. Mm-hmm. And during the course of this, unfortunately, Master Simix was killed very early. Um, and by his harness. <laughs> Not kind fitting of. properly. <laughs> yeah, kind of. I mean, there's a little bit more, but yes, essentially that's that's a big part of it. But Comac blames himself because he he didn't properly research the legends. And this to me felt a lot like Thrawn. Like he even talks mm-hmm. about reading the artwork or looking at the artwork, reading yeah. uh, the, the lore and the lore of this planet said that there were a bunch of snakes, like giant snakes. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately they didn't, he didn't take that seriously, which was part of the reason why master Simics was killed. Um, and they just had to leave him there. They had to leave him there and hope that the marauders just thought that he was the only Jedi that was there and then they could go about their business and rescue the hostages. And I'm going to finish this story, by the way. I'm not jumping back and forth. We'll finish this yeah, flashback yeah. because it does flashback a few times. Mm-hmm. Um, but essentially, they make their way through the caves. They kill a bunch of the snakes. Um, and then when they finally get to rescue the dignitaries, which were from two different planets, right? Yes. Or were they continents? Yeah, it was, uh- Planets? No, it's di- different planets. A king from one planet and a queen from another. Okay, good, good, good call. Because like I, I thought it was planets, but it's like, well, I hope, I hope it's planets. Um, yeah, it was two feuding planets actually. Let's see, what were their names? You don't happen to have that up, do you? Good because, question. gosh, I, I, I hate diving through names, man. Oh, I wish I could remember names better. I really do. It's always been a... Was Rasasin one of them? Uh, I, I'm not sure. Uh, <laughs> I believe Rasasu was the one that ends up sacrificing himself. Well, That's there was... Uh, so Th- <laughs> Thandeka was the was one of the queens of Aram. Yes. And Monarch, uh, Monarch Castle. Oh, was it Castle? Okay. Yes, of Aranu, who was... Um, who was, uh, you know, from the other side. And they they had had disagreements for a very long time, but they were actually working out a lot of that in this cave being, mm-hmm. you know, in close proximity, being kidnapped. So when, when Larrett, Comac, and Orla go into the cave, this is actually more of, a, of an Orla story than anything else because Orla's yeah. first instinct was to go for the Lasat. But her Jedi training 
told her something else. And this led to the death of Castle, who died to protect the queen mm-hmm. in a very selfless manner, which I mean, I think either worlds together, essentially. Well, I think either way they probably would have, but this is like, it's like, I have to promise this now. It has to be done because he gave his life. Yeah. Which is a pretty common trope, honestly. Mm -hmm. Um, So this is, this has been a a really a sore spot for both Comac and Orla. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, Orla, this has shaken her foundation in belief of the Jedi who and she had already been a questioner. Even even her master Laird was kind of critical of that at times. But with Comac, he lives with the guilt. For him, it's mm-hmm. guilt of losing his master when he thinks he should have been able to do something else. So, let's move on to the main story because we got to get to the darkness, which is crazy. Yeah, <laughs> um, pretty pretty cool in a way. Honestly, even though the way it culminates is kind of disappointing in a way. It was pretty cool. It, it yeah it, it kind of is so essentially comac and orla do find a room that is i mean they sense that there's dark side here they sense that there's something wrong on this station and they both fall into visions even wreath has a vision of being attacked by a jedi yeah. which actually winds up happening being <laughs> true and this isn't just like uh like a vision. This is a, an encapsulation. Like they are trapped into this warning. And it's something that they all misinterpret. Yeah. What was Comax? That's the only one I don't really remember. Uh, yeah, I knew you were going <laughs> to flip and ask that. I don't, I don't like you anymore. Honestly, I don't know if they really dived into Comax all that much. No, it, it. I see. I remember it being through the the lens of Orla, and then yeah. she finds Comac, and Comac was highly affected by it, um, like really shaken <clears throat> to the core. He had to be helped out, but essentially to make complicated matters somewhat less complicated, they wind up taking a couple idols, mm-hmm. um, and essentially we do get a kind of a cool thing where Comac. Uh, Orla and Wreath cast a sort of a force shield around the items to contain the, the darkness, and they take them with them and bring them back to Coruscant. Let's see. What else do we want to talk about on the station? Um, well, we, had, we do have the little backstory with Affy that we should probably bring up. Oh, oh, good. Yeah, good, 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 good call. That's this is why I don't do podcasting alone. So, yes, Affy's backstory: she finds writing on walls. Nobody writes. Nobody writes anymore. So if they do, you Most know, it's probably pretty know. important. We're, you know, we're so technologically advanced, we don't know how to write. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know even how to read. I just have my robots tell it to me in story form. It's a lot of fun. I go to sleep to it at night. Um, yeah, so she finds some writings uh, from other Bind Guild members and a symbol from her parents' ship. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of this leads to the unfortunate realization that her parents were killed using the Helix Rings in an attempt to make a dangerous run for the Bind Guild. 
and this is how she learns about the indentured servitude mm-hmm. of her of her parents and other members of the guild trying to pay back debts and taking big risks uh, where the leader of the Bind Guild would at times give big bonuses if you did this. Um, there is a bit of a morality play here, and I think as we get a little bit further, I do want to discuss that a little bit more. But let's Definitely. go ahead and continue to move a little bit uh, just so we're not getting stuck in any one area for very long. Um, let's see here. So we, I guess at this point, we can go ahead and, and just head back to Coruscant. Mm-hmm. We cool with that? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you, you better be okay with that. You don't have choices. <laughs> okay so the return to coruscant um there's a lot going on here you know the the uh, wreath eventually does learn of the death of his master which in the worst way possible by a droid (laughs) yeah i mean he he's asking if if anyone if anyone by her name was um sent to whatever uh, medical facility it was and he's like, no, because she was like killed in action. Need anything else? Hot town, maybe some cocoa. By the way, Skier saw it. Oh no, Skier saw it. It must be true. No. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> this 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 leads into a lot for him, um, and it leads into this arch, the Kyber Arch. Yeah. Which I'll be honest with you, I don't think was actually explained very well here. It wasn't. I don't even know how to visualize the Kyber Arch, to be honest. <laughs> well, in the very beginning, Master Molly says, Why can no one cross the Kyber Arch alone? And the thing is, is physically you can. Mm-hmm. And Wreath does. He does cross the arch alone. So, what do you what do you think? What do you think about this? What do you think um, the lesson is here? I think the uh, overarching lesson to this is for a Jedi, you cannot really go where you want to go without. And the way, the way that they interpret it is stepping over those that have come before because ultimately the entire Jedi Order has this cumulative lo- knowledge that they've learned throughout the generations and they all kind of expound on that. Um, they can't really do a whole lot on their own and they can't do much without relying on the Force and I think this arch kind of represents that. So a little bit of backstory about the arch. The arch was constructed from kyber crystals retrieved from the lightsabers of Jedi who had fallen in battle. Mm-hmm. It was thick at the base but extremely narrow at the top to symbolize the perils the fallen Jedi had faced. Mm-hmm. And they call this an advanced meditation technique to cross the arch. Only attempted by those Jedi who felt called to by the Force. So I kind of wonder if it's something... If it's almost like a coping mechanism, you know, Could Jedi be. Jedi who experience loss and, you know, perhaps can't necessarily deal with that in the right way, and this helps them gain perspective. And by 
walking it, not walking it alone. What they're doing is they're walking with their memories mm-hmm. of their fallen comrades or, or masters or whatever, so Which that is- they can find perspective on it. Yeah, which is actually really sad when you think about that because he can't even do that with his own master because her crystal wouldn't be there. True. So, I don't know. I I do think that lesson felt a little bit lost in the book. It did. Like they I wish they would have fleshed that well. out. Yeah. Cuz it is cool. I mean, it's interesting to think about, but I just don't think it was well fleshed out. Um he also destroys a droid. Yeah. Training droid. That's fun. Almost cuts his head off. It's yeah. Like, it's fine. It can, can repair it itself. <laughs> <laughs> well, we start to go in a lot of different directions here because everybody effectively wants to go back to the maxing station. For Wreath, he wants to make the Nihil Hill pay. Mm-hmm. He might say he wants to arrest him, bring him justice. He wants to make him pay. Mm-hmm. Answer for their crimes. Uh, and in a lot of ways, for, for Orla and Comac, they want to stop the darkness that they've unleashed. Because I, I, I'm getting a little bit ahead, but we'll, we'll get back to the why. And for then Affy, she wants to go back to get proof to effectively blackmail her adoptive mother. The leader yes. of the Bind Guild. Uh, what was the what was the dessert that they had? Was it Baja? The ice dessert. <laughs> wasn't it? Wasn't it Baja? Baja. It just yeah. reminds me of a line from Baja a James Blast. Bond movie. <laughs> now it was it was uh, what was that? What was that Bond movie? They had that that Texan who who like that Texan CEO that was like kidnapped by um, Gold. Um, oh. Uh, I'm pretty sure that that one was was a uh, Sean Connery role. Anyway, he j- I just remember always oh, diamonds are forever. Um, and he, I just remember it's really weird. I visualized it really, really vividly when the chapter was read. If if it is Baja, but anyway, uh, the whole thing was is like when they found the CEO. It's like, do you have a a facility in Baja? It's like. Baha, you know, and that like really <laughs> over exaggerated Texan thing. So anyway, yeah, they're you know they're off eating ice. It's really super cool, but she's she's got to get proof to force her her mom to you know stop doing bad sort of bad morally ambiguous things. So they all have a, a mission, but let's get back to the idols because that's where the darkness is, right? The darkness inside. Sure. We got to get our keyblades yeah. and bring Mickey in here so we can oh, we can God. bash him and take out the the heartless. What isn't that what <sighs> isn't that what that stupid series? <laughs> what you is probably that? you probably just made so many so many nerds mad. I don't I don't care. But well, uh, okay. Kingdom Hearts, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I remember the first game like way back when, but now it's like a bunch of puffy pants and zippers everywhere. I can't take that stuff seriously. Yeah. <laughs> the heartless in the darkness inside we of me. We're not I supposed to as a child's game. <laughs> <laughs> it's like saying I should take Sly Cooper seriously now. <laughs> well, hey, man. You know, you're never too old for a little Ratchet and Clank, a little Spyro the Dragon. Well, of course. I mean, those are. Those are timeless little crash and whatnot. Yeah. 
<laughs> so anyway, let's let's get back to these idols because this is actually kind of interesting. We've got like the the Jedi of all Jedi in here. Like we're getting ready to battle it out, man. We're we're going in guns bla- force blazing, not guns, force blazing. <laughs> no blasters here. Although no blasters a couple of, here. couple of them keep saying throughout this book, I should really carry a blaster. Yeah, I know. <laughs> So yeah, they're 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 in here just like force blazing. They're they're getting ready. They're amping themselves up. They're chest bumping and like injecting some steroids in there to get a little extra force for this one, brother. I'm gonna come Roids. off the top rope with a elbow drop, and I'm gonna pin you one, two, three, and there will be no more dark side. Anyway, um, the <laughs> hilarious thing is there was no darkness in these idols at all. Yeah. Dun, 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 dun. And I guess the uh, force bubble they put around him kept him from realizing that. And, of course, they left the station <laughs> a little bit too quickly to realize what they unleashed. Yeah, that, that, was, the, that was the worst thing. Because, like, even they talk about it a little bit where the, they felt that even putting up that barrier was a little harder than it needed to be. Mm-hmm. And it was hard because it was already doing that. Like, it was already, it was already attempting barrier, to contain yeah. darkness. Yeah. It wasn't yeah. darkness at all. These idols were there to contain darkness. And I got to yeah. say, the only thing that I got a little bit skeptical about was when we started talking about, what was it, like, Arcania? Like, we're talking about, like, arcane yeah. magic, you know, <laughs> and we're going to go up to the Mange Guild next and learn how to lightning bolt, lightning bolt, lightning bolt, <laughs> fire, fire, water, you know. I was like, get out of here, man. <sighs> yeah. Pocket sand. <laughs> Not sand. Not sand. <laughs> <sighs> so, anyway, Comac uh, wants to bring the idols back. He wants to make sure that the darkness is is fought. And the council is like, listen, this is the same crap we always have with council. Like, they just don't understand anything. They're stupid. Because they're not doing the work. (laughs) Oh, we we can't. Listening to reports. Yeah, we can't possibly sacrifice a master and a and another and, and you know a Jedi Knight and a Padawan uh, to do you know to contain great darkness. I mean, we we couldn't possibly do that. We've got to deal with a ship. It's like shut your mouth. Mm-hmm. If you had idols that was it three, I think that were containing were such four. a dark or four. Okay, sorry. That were containing a darkness so powerful that even the warnings were knocking out Jedi. And this place we know is being used by the Bind Guild. We know that the Nihil now know about it. What are they doing? Like, what are they doing? The Council will always be the Council. God, that's so how, stupid. It's, it's how it's written. I mean, it, it's just... A common knowledge thing to writers of Star Wars. Listen, the council has to be a barrier. They always have to be something to climb over. The council can never help in Star Wars. Ever. Yeah, and and this is actually one thing I wanted to talk about. I feel like, despite this supposed to be the High Republic, the greatest part of the Jedi, I actually think it's it's not. I don't think it's greater at all. I just think it's more Art Deco, man. I just yeah. think that they're making crazy things, but they're they're not any better. They, I, I just I think that they're a Jedi that have insane force abilities because they have the 
the sort of the time in peace to to kind of deal with it. Experiment. But as soon as but as soon as a problem comes up, they revert to the exact Clone Wars era Jedi that we yep. have seen time and time again be deceived and not deal with problems over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. Well, there there's so many different things. I mean, even <laughs> Reef mentioning, yeah, we're really not trained to do any combat with other lightsaber users. Like, well, yeah. why wouldn't you? Your biggest enemy of the past, you just completely ignore the fact that they could come back. Every generation. You know, well, I, and I, I, and I think... I understand they're not your main focus at this point, but why wouldn't you put more effort into that? Well, I think, I think the only thing in relation to just Sith, I think that they've gone such a long time from the defeat of the Sith as a species. So to honestly think about like just normal force users being Sith, I think that honestly at this point they just think that the Sith have been destroyed and that a Sith was an actual Sith, the species. But I don't think that they that, I don't think they think about Dark Jedi. But the problem with that is they're constantly throwing out that their own members of the council their own members of the order could fall to the dark side all the time yeah and but that's a di- if, that's a different co- that's that, a different combat combatant though i true, mean that's that's a mind thing true but it would still be a combatant like you you know you'd have to have you'd have to engage in lightsaber combat you would have to prepare yourself for that and they're paranoid about this but they don't really prepare for that and they don't deal with working through these issues with jedi i mean look at you know, look at Orla. Look at Comac. They're going through so much, and the Order doesn't realize it. They could easily allow them to fall to the dark side or to completely lose them from the Order, and they just they don't care. Uh, well, see, the, the only caveat I'd put to that is that I think that although Comac is having a lot of trouble with his anger... I actually think that he has a lot better tools to to compartmentalize and deal with it. Orla, I actually don't think would be in any risk of turning to the dark side. She just sort of has to understand her own force compass, so to speak. But to, to your point, Lost this is to the, the order. I, let's put it that way, at least. With well, Orla, but who, you could easily lose her to the order. Yeah, but who cares? I mean, that that sort of stuff just it is what it is. It's not really the same, but I get it. But but more to your point, th- this honestly was the same thing that pervaded into like the prequel era as well. They they you know even in like the Dooku uh, novel, they talked about this you know this lightsaber combat just being ceremonial um, yeah. because there was no there was no threat. And even with that, think about it. <clears throat> I mean, there are only ever two Sith. And there are thousands of Jedi. So the, the, the worry from the Old Republic was that there were a lot of Sith. There weren't just two. I mean, the rule of two wasn't a thing until later. There True. were multiple Sith. There was an army of Sith. This was something that had to be dealt with on a, on a grander scale. But now that threat was eliminated. It, it's, so they think. But, I mean, even somebody turning to the dark side, I, f- I feel like they think that they can deal with that in a more tactful way than thinking about 
saber combat. But I understand your point. I mean, that that's a preparedness thing. That's like, mm-hmm. you should be prepared for anything, but again, they're in a peacetime, and it is what it is. The further so. we get into this, though, it... <laughs> Something they can't address either. It's like the more we build into the story, the more it's like, well, the prequel era Jedi should have probably learned from these people's mistakes. Because mm. yeah. that's that's just a generation or two away. They should have known. And, and again, we might not run into Sith. We might not run into anything like that in High Republic. We probably aren't going to because of it would break the continuity of the prequels because they say we haven't seen a Sith for a thousand years. Yeah. But but they're still making the same mistakes, you know? It's um, frustrating. Well, okay, but here's the thing. It only winds up being a mistake because of Palpatine. Because Well, it, I, I'm saying the Order being kind of blind to... No, no but, but see, that, that's, that's the point, though. I understand that, but they can afford to be blind because they haven't seen a Sith in over a thousand years, and the only reason they had a problem is because of Palpatine. Yeah. Because Palpatine True. was who he was. So if there were no Darth Sidious, if there were no Palpatine, they could have continued another thousand years in ignorance. And then what would, you know, okay. But I, I agree, they should have changed and learned, but they wouldn't have seen the High Republic as a mistake because yeah. it worked. Right. You know? Well, anyway, let's, con- let's continue on with the back half of the story here. <clears throat> um. It's basically a mad dash to get back to the station. Uh, Reith is going for his reasons. Uh, Comac and Orla uh, steal the idols to bring back to the station. And Affy and, and the crew of the vessel are ready to charter him away. So <clears throat> they get out there, and it's kind of funny them talking about, like, well, the counts are forbidden. It's like, well, but they didn't really. Really? We just know they would. I mean, <laughs> shut up, shut up, Padawan. I'm a, I'm a master, okay? I just called Dude. you and not shut up. <laughs> shut your mouth, Padawan. Uh, I just got promoted in the field like 10 minutes ago. You shut your <laughs> mouth. This is an acting field command of a master. You better... Oh, don't make me... Oh, man. So anyway, we do get to the station. There is a Nihil ship there. Um, fancy flying kind of doing a little orbit so that the Nihil don't find them. I mean, we don't I guess see the Nihil sensors they don't suck. see us. Yeah, sensors aren't a thing. It's fine. <clears throat> uh, so they, again, kind of do a bit of a split, <laughs> sort of. Uh, Affy goes off to try and find more wall hieroglyphics. Um and the Jedi are going to help deal with the... If I'm remembering this correct, they, they are all going to deal with the darkness. However, I believe this is the point where Reef... Okay, yeah, yeah. So Reef somehow accidentally engages the rings, our, our uh, you know, sort of drive system here. He's yeah. thrown in a pod. Like, this whole sequence of events uh, was very confusing. A light speed pod. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we figure out that, you know, at this point, well, okay, it, at any point in this book, did you actually believe Des was dead? 
No. Okay. That's the way they talked about it. <laughs> okay. He knew just making right sure. Away, you know. Okay. Just making sure. I didn't think so either. Um, so, Wreath is transported to a planet, which is the home world of <clears throat> the Drengear. And the Drengear are a carnivorous tree people. They're like ants, but With they want to eat. Venus fly trap mouth. <laughs> yeah. And. Unfortunately, our Jedi on the station also figure out that, oh, there's Drengear here. They've been here all along in the forest. Yeah. They are the forest. <laughs> hey, guys, we've been here all, the, all this time. We've been watching you. You said hi. You ignored us. I mean, you know, thanks for taking those idols away. It was kind of trapping us here. But guess what? You know, we're kind of hungry. We're going to eat your bones. Oh, man. So uh, give me your impression on the Drengear. What did you think about our our carnivorous tree people? They're kind of dumb. Yeah. Kind of really dumb. I don't know. I mean, the the only thing that makes them a threat to me is the fact that they can regenerate. Quickly. Yeah. Very quickly. quickly. Otherwise, they'd be a, a minor threat at most, truthfully. Yeah, I mean they I mean they are kind of scary, I guess, in the fact that you can't just kill them. But I assume that you you could kill them. Well, you and can by the powers of vacuum. But I'm getting uh, ahead true. of myself. <laughs> well, yeah, true, true, true. But you know, they talk too much. I I think that the Dren Gear talk too much. I think they would have been more scary if they just shut up. Um, and and well, look, I'll also look at, look at Yuz and Vaughn, the first couple books in Jedi Order. You barely got anything from them. These people tell you their entire backstory. You know exactly why they're there in the first meeting with them. Yeah. I mean, even when they do talk, I mean, they're pretty busy killing people or turning them into coral monsters. Mm-hmm. Um, f- for me, okay, so Dez is alive. He's been kind of like whacked out by their wacky sap man he's tripping yeah drugged and kind of tempted by the dark side essentially because kind these, of, yeah. these creatures yeah. are are based heavily in the dark side they emanates yeah. off of them i mean it's essentially essentially yeah um and they they direct des to attack wreath and this is his vision this was wreath's vision coming to fruition but my thing is, is if it were me, I. It's probably too dark for a younger adult's book, but if it were me, I would have had them lead Des out, and had one of the Drengear just eat him, yeah, in front of Wreath. That would have made this more of a like a threat. Like I, I never exactly felt. I feel more threatened by the Nihil than I do of carnivorous tree people. Yeah, they just well, kind of seem like. And, and what were their numbers really? I mean, do we uh, interact true, with yeah. eight of them? Maybe. Right. Yeah. That. That's. Yeah. That's an interest. I never understood their numbers either. Um. And then, then the whole thing where. I guess the Dren Gear weren't able to make the like hyperspace pods go back to the station, but somehow by Wreath 
activating one, they were also able to activate more. Yeah. So, <laughs> Reith and oh, it, we we do we do find out that these Drangir essentially dominated and destroyed this ancient civilization that created these pods. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Good call. Good call. Good call. So, I mean, they're dangerous. I get it. But it's like, okay, so Dez and Wreath are able to get into a pod and blast blast off back to the station. But they're in hot pursuit by balls full of Dren gear. Mm-hmm. And then, <laughs> back at the station, uh, <laughs> everybody else oh, is I dealing with the Dren gear. <laughs> um, well, I, I will also say that... <laughs> Comac just sometimes. Anyway, they are able to put the barrier back up, but then they have to take it back down to deal with the Nihil with the Drengear, but you can't just defeat it. But they want the Drengear to like take out the Nihil so that they didn't get caught by the Nihil and they have to find them out. And then it's, at the end, Reef is like, you know what? This is stupid. Eject. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, it, it's actually kind of like the, the scene from Force Awakens when uh, they... Uh, when Ray accidentally lets out those um, creatures that Han had on his like transport ship <laughs> and they yeah. like kill everybody, you know, yeah. and almost eat Finn. <clears throat> I haven't watched that movie in a while. I want to, I'm going to have to go back and watch that here mm. pretty soon. Um, so anyway, what, what else, what else do we want to talk about with the station? I mean, uh, well, there's the stuff with, uh, Oh, what's her name? The Nihil girl. Non. Non. Yeah, Non does give, um, sort of give Wreath a a free pass, like one free pass. It's like, you saved my life, so I won't kill you, which is actually pretty laughable, Mm -hmm. to be honest with you. Even a pad one, I mean, no offense, but... And and she, I think she knows that. Some of the dialogue is like, I know I can't take you in one-to-one, but I will kill you from a ship. It's right. like, listen, just kiss and get it over with. Yeah. I mean, just, just. <laughs> no, yeah. I'm celibate. I am like a monk or something. Oh, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> get out of here. Yeah, it really makes you wonder what the importance to Nan's character is because we kind of get a little bit more of her at the end. It's like, why is she important enough to talk to the whatever? The okay. I. Yeah, I mean, I, I think she'll pop up. I mean, the whole thing is, is like, I think there's an opening for, for someone uh, strategic, someone who has a bit more of an eye for for battling a real enemy. Because, like, the thing is, is, you know, Martian is strategic, mm-hmm. but, like, Lorna D and um, uh, who is the other... Uh, Lorna D is the only one I can remember. Truthfully, the other two are so forgettable. Well, one of them's dead, right? So, which maybe she's going to replace him? I don't know. That, that's what I'm kind of wondering. Maybe she takes over a, a cloud or a tempest or what? Uh, no, what are they called? They're the tempest runners to the cloud. I don't get it. It's a lot of clouds and weather patterns. Storms. I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'm a Texas tornado. <laughs> what's what's Texas? <laughs> It was a galaxy long ago, far. Don't worry about it. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I feel like I feel like there's a place. I feel like there's a place for her. 
because she's very bloody minded. I mean, she she yeah. wants to, but I I feel like I feel like she would also be an easy turn. You know, like, oh, no, your parents weren't killed by any of this. They were killed by Lorna D or something. (laughs) I don't know. Marcion Rowe. (laughs) You did very well. Sorry. It's really hard for me to talk sometimes. So angsty. I'm always taking a poo. (laughs) It's hard to speak. I've been dealing with hemorrhoids for most of my life. I have three at any given time. Try Uh, and figure it out. There's no such thing as preparation H in this galaxy. I've been waiting for Bacta for a long time. Uh, Anyway, enough Martian road jokes. So... (laughs) Uh yeah, so we, we get our we get our station resolution. Non's off doing non things, meeting with Martian. Um and we kind of get this sort of like almost happy ending wrap up session here. Um where <clears throat> previously the council had and, and a master on the council had come to Wreath. And again, I was telling you this before. I felt like he was going to be promoted to flipping Jedi Knight. Do you want to have this conversation oh, yeah. now? Yes. Okay, let, let's do. have this conversation. They promote people too fast. I mean, what v- are v- the credentials to become a Jedi? Yeah, I mean, v- Vernestra seems to be seems to be pretty good, but even in her book, she had a lot of trouble dealing with that situation, but she did. She eventually yeah. did, but the struggle was such a part of that story. But that she's a Jedi Knight. That story should have promoted her to Jedi Knight. Yes. Truthfully. Yes. <laughs> yes. I agree. I do agree with that. But she she's great. Great character. I, but, but then we go into, um, into Comek. How is he a master? He is clearly not ready to be considered a master. Yeah. And the only thing that I actually like about Comek, truthfully, is... He constantly brings up this thing about emotion and how the Jedi are supposed to suppress it, and it's not fair to be expected yeah. to be this guardian of the people, but not allowed to actually have feelings for the people. Yeah, and it, it brings up this other thing. It's like, well, how important are we really to the Council if our deaths are supposed to be suppressed and ignored and not acknowledged? Well, that that's the unwritten rules of baseball, though. You know, you have this Kyber arch, right? That's all the fallen. So, it, and it's very clear in uh, that that they care about their comrades deeply. But again, yeah. So they're they're just they're a bunch of hypocrites, is what it is. Yeah. You do this, but wink. You know, wink, wink. Don't care about your co- don't form attachment to your colleagues. Wink, wink. Nod, but nod. Love everybody. <laughs> yeah, I mean. You know, Elzar and Avar, don't kiss, wink, yeah. wink. You know, I'm just saying, it's, it's like, there, there's there's obviously more to it, but they're, they're so, I don't know. Again, I, I, do, I, I can only equate it to the unwritten rules of baseball. It's like, you know, somebody flips a bat, 
somebody's probably going to get beaned in the late in- innings of that game. It's just understood that it's going to happen because, you know, disrespect to pitcher, another pitcher is going to bean you. And, you know, they give you a nice little tap on your thigh. You take first base. It is what it is. You know, don't hit a grand slam when you're up 15 runs, you know, on an, on an 0-3 count or a 3-0 count. You know what I mean? I'm sure I just – nobody understands baseball anymore. <laughs> you know, when you have three balls and just take the strike, you know what I mean? So, I don't know. That whole thing's just tough. But I am worried about the rate at which some of these folks are promoted up because it feels like a lot of the times they're just not ready. They're yeah. just not ready yet. Um, they're just worried about the number of Jedi they have, not the quality. Which is weird because you have this... You have this sect of Jedi who are experimenting and they're very strong in the Force and they're they're amazing. They're amazing. But all rights, they don't have to be to become yeah. a master. I mean, they could be as complacent as they possibly wanted to be. Well, I mean, Elzar wasn't a master at the beginning yeah. of Light of the Jedi. Yeah. And what and he's done compared to Comac is... Oh, God, it's, it's heads and tails, man. Comac doesn't use the Force in this book, really. He really doesn't, <laughs> truthfully. Yeah. yeah. And he's not that great of a combatant. I mean, we don't get many examples of it. I mean, he, he's, he's, a, he's a book guy, you know. He's a yeah. lore master, and that's cool. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I do kind of, yeah, I worry about the quality of Jedi. Um, yeah. If faced with, you know, granted, the, the, the great disaster was taxing but it, it it wasn't the same as handling an army of sith yeah. i, I mean, feel like know, i just look, feel like that the if if for example there was an army of sith i don't know that these jedi would survive that i don't know there's no I'd, way some of them would maybe i don't know there would be those that would do well avar elzar jorah if she had survived <laughs> Oh, but I, I hate not that, that they killed that character. I really and wasn't that, that a great reminder of the entire book? Yeah. Well, okay. Oh, <laughs> uh, listen. She's talking to him. She has been talking to Reith this entire book. She is a force ghost. Oh, yeah. Uh, but, but. But. It's ironic. <laughs> starts to undermine. Qui-Gon. Existing lore. <laughs> Yeah, starts to undermine it. I'm just saying. I don't know if he if she's actually speaking to, him, but the last like push there did sort of seem like she was still there in some, yeah. you know, not able to actually become a ghost, but clearly one with the force. Clearly has some sort of ability. Well, I mean, maybe and, and Qui Gon was kind of the same. He was more ethereal than anything. You know. Yeah, I mean, he, he was. He wouldn't really manifest himself like Obi Wan and Yoda did. He he was able to he was able to manifest, but only in places where there was like a great force presence. But yeah, you're right. He he was kind of the 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 he was I will say he's the first person to push it to the level that he did, and he taught Obi Wan and Yoda, and that was passed on to the rest, so that they could actually come back and be interfering pest ghosts, and light trees on fire, and then gosh, Yoda. (laughs) Qui-Gon watches you like, no, 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 no. Took it too far, man. Too That's far, man. I, in- I didn't intend for this. 
We had rules. You're not supposed to strike them down You're with the lightning. A ghost. Not these weird hippy dippy ghosts that can touch things. No. Or or maybe he's like, just one, just you one chance. I, I could kill the emperor. <laughs> Qui Gon's like, you mean I could have smacked Anakin all these years? <laughs> you just you just see like like Ray's advancing on Palpatine with her with the two lightsabers, and then you just see like Qui Gon poke his hand out and snap his neck. <laughs> All done. I See you, Ray. I am the chosen one. Oh, by the way, Ray. Um, yeah, I mean Anakin and all them. They said it's cool. You can be a Skywalker. See ya. <laughs> Who are you? Um. Oh, gee. It's we'll okay. talk about it later. Yeah. Just uh, you know, go go kiss Ben. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that would have. <laughs> I, I want to see like a little tune. I want to see that in tune version, like cartoon version with just yeah. Qui Gon coming up, like peeking his head out and just snapping his neck. <laughs> if only I could animate. Oh, I could have. This is for Maul. This is for Maul. <laughs> I, I could have interfered this the the entire time. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. Uh, okay. Anyway, let's let's get back to peace, love, and happiness at the end of this book. So, Des, um, uh, what was the vow he took? Oh shoot! Uh, I knew you were gonna ask that. <coughs> of course, I was because I can't remember what, <laughs> what the name of it is. The ten-year meditation vow. Yeah, it had a specific name though. I know it did. I'm trying to look up his. It wouldn't uh, take long to find it. Des has a very small. The Barash Val. He took the, the Barash Val. We know about that. You know, I for for him, I, I think that he came to grips where he understood that he was searching for adventure and, and not really, <clears throat> not really adhering to the Jedi code. He wanted adventure, and that sort of led him to being broken. Yeah, easily and, manipulated, right? And and the Barash Val is essentially like a um, like a penitence or a, um, like atonement. Uh huh. So we we aren't seeing him again. <laughs> um, I don't know, man. I mean, maybe, but probably not. Which makes you- him even less interesting to me. Did you think for a second that Reef was going to ask him to be his master? Yes, I was worried that was going to happen. Well, I I, th- I think um, I th- I think there was definitely a thought because y- you could tell Reef like looked up to him. Yeah. You know, he's like, "You are my master's padawan before me, and you're cool, and you're you're all ba." Um, so yeah, but I I actually think that again he uh, plot device. He's a plot device, but he did help. Wreath understand where he actually needed to be um, because he yeah, saw I this mean, Jedi he good, that he looked. He has up good and, dichotomy to his own imbalance. I yeah. mean, neither of them had the right path. Truthfully, yeah, very true. And of course, he does choose Comac as his master. Which I was okay hoping for Orla. Truthfully, well, a couple things. It's very interesting that the Jedi Council allowed him to choose his master. Yeah. I thought which so, too. I, 
Which I actually think just says that they trust him. Yeah. They know that he's going to be a good Jedi. We also know that you need to be able to pick your path now. We can't do it for you. Yeah. Which is kind of cool in a way. Yeah. I also thought it was kind of weird that they paused his training for so long. Well, you know, it was it was a measure of understanding, I think. A, a weird bit of understanding when you think about it. They understood that maybe you're not ready yet. But, yeah. we, we, but at the same time, you have to push down that emotion. We're going to give you time to do that, but you need to push down that emotion. Don't think about the loss. Yeah, but true. It, but, again, it was all back to we trust that you'll know when you're yeah. ready. So I thought that was actually pretty cool of them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it would have been really cool for Orla, but Orla is on her own path. She has a new shiny ship. You know, Geode helped her. I mean, what is Shop. she out? Is she, is she kissing rocks? I mean, they didn't know okay. each other that well. <laughs> this, this is so, this is so wrong. I'm white as a ghost and you're a rock. I'm a ghost, and you're a rock. <laughs> I'm possibly a night sister, and you're a geode. Yeah, I, I, I mean, again, obviously nothing romantic there, I don't think, but I did feel that it was kind of weird that she chose geode to, like, go yeah. help pick out a ship, and it's like, hey, do you want to, like, come with me and navigate? It's I would like, be kind of angry. I would be you don't even angry, know this truthfully. person. Yeah. You don't know him. I've been kind of angry if they split up the group and Geode left. Yeah, it, it, I thought it was possible. I didn't. I didn't actually think they were going to do that, but I, I would have had the same. It's like that's stupid. Don't do that. Yeah. But even Orla understands that this is this. Is, she has to walk this alone. She has to figure out where her path takes her. Mm. So she's off. Um, now <clears throat> let's talk a little bit of Affy and Leox. So Affy drops the bomb. She doesn't just try and blackmail her, her mom. She just takes it straight to the Republic. They move fast. They arrest her. Leader mm-hmm. uh, of the Bind Guild. Bind Guild is disillusioned. You're all free. You all own your ships and everything that this person works so hard for. Screw her. Uh, it's all yours. You got it. Yay. Um, which obviously, you know, Leox, I mean, he wasn't indentured or anything. Um, but he effectively makes the ship Affies, uh, but he's still Affy a part of the it crew. Is and <clears throat> yeah, I mean, it's it's mine, but treat me the same way. But if you screw with me, I'll blow you out an airlock. Uh, you know, so they're going off having adventures, and I want to talk about this a little bit too. <clears throat> indentured servitude is very close to slavery. Mm-hmm. The only exception is, is generally speaking, you're, you're not a slave, but you're working off a debt, right? Mm-hmm. You get and something out of yeah, it. Yeah. And you have the potential for release when you pay off your debt. And, and listen, we don't know if, if the debts of these people were scrupulous or just, happen uh we've seen a lot of stories about debt in the star wars universe it accumulates fast sometimes you're into things you can't get out of yada 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 we get it especially with like the huts (laughs) oh yeah definitely for sure for sure um so i don't necessarily 
I, I, I don't like indentured servitude. However, Afi's parents were killed because they made a choice. Mm-hmm. Now, you can argue that was it desperation brought on by the you know guild leader or whatever but they were given a choice they made a uh, a run that was very dangerous using the rings and they didn't have to do it but they did it because they wanted to make the the big bonus try and get out from under the the thumb which i get and they were killed it's a weird moral question you know Obviously, those jobs have to be done at you know somehow because I mean just because they're dangerous, they're still jobs. I mean, this is still a you know like a freight business. You know what I mean? They still have to do dangerous things. Um, I don't know. I don't know what to think about it. Uh, you know, should she? Should uh, let me just relook up back up her name because <laughs> I feel really feel really bad because I've I've already forgotten her name, <laughs> Scover. <clears throat> So, do do you? I, I don't know if I necessarily see Scover as like truly evil. I, I don't think, think that, Scover was a villain. I think that Scover had questionable morals. Yes. Yeah. For sure, and and that's actually part of her species. Truthfully, I'm not giving. Yeah, excuses. and what are we talking about? A bivalve? Is she a clam? Is she clam know. people? I mean, that's, Is there a picture of Scover? Mm-hmm. I don't think there was. Well, I I I, I don't actually think it's by Valve. <laughs> just kidding. It's okay. There is there are pictures. So it, it's it's just by Valve. But you know, I kept thinking by Valve like like a clam. But yeah. no, they they are kind of a uh, fish looking people though. Yeah, and she's uh, kind of identified that way throughout the book as well. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean it's kind of like a water waterish plant. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um but they definitely do have a little bit of a different outlook. Mm-hmm. And um, they're logical beings. They don't have a lot of room for emotion. Yeah. So here here's the morality question. And again, guys, I mean we're I know it's a really difficult time for everybody. Um, and we're not, we're not advocating for this person, but here's a morality question, which I think is interesting. It's a thought sort of thought question. Would it have been better for Affy to have directly confronted Scover and worked logically to help her change? Because the thing is, is this could have been deep rooted in their society. She's obviously a little bit less feeling than most humanoids. So would it have been better to come to her and say, I know what happened to my parents. I know what's happening with the indentured servitude. I don't believe this is right. We need to put this right. Or do you believe that she is such a terrible person that she just has to be arrested, everything dissolved, the livelihood of all these guild members shaken up. Because the fact of the matter is, is that there's a when you have an organization, things come easier. 
jobs. Now these people are all independent contractors. They have to go find their own work, which means they're probably going to join another guild or they're going to try and find work on their own. And that could be tough. I mean, or they might end up becoming indentured servants as well. Uh, true, true. <laughs> or, or bandits, marauders, uh, they, they could turn bad. So I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, it's a weird, it's kind of a weird thing, but it, the, in the case of Affy, she rips the Band-Aid off and says, okay, this is wrong no matter what. You're going to have to pay for it, and I'm not going to talk to you about it until one day, which I, I actually feel is it was pretty immature, to be honest with you. At yeah. least if you're going to do that, look that person in the eye and say you're going to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, It's like, listen, I know, and this is wrong, and I've went to the Republic, and you're going to have to answer for it. You know, I don't know. I don't know what you do in that situation. I think a lot of people probably wouldn't have went to the Republic. Hell, I think a lot of people would have just shut up, let it continue yeah. to happen and say, because the thing is, is Scover also comes back with, you know, in a couple decades, this is all yours. This is yeah. all coming to you and you can do with it whatever you want. I can't do this forever. And Abby so, even says that. It's like, well, do I deal with this now or do I just actually take control of this guild and make it better for all these people eventually. And yeah. she's taken that option away from herself. She's not going to inherit anything now. She can't help anybody. She's made herself kind of a useless character in a way, truthfully. Well, I, I, I think she also has made herself a target because I think that there are going to be people that are very angry at her decision and could possibly target her. Yeah. You know, so, okay, I, I, you know, we're not here to answer moral questions. You know, we're, it's just a thought exercise. I find it interesting. Um, I don't even know what I would have done in that situation. I didn't really even think about it all that much. Um, but I do think that there's, there would be a lot to think about, especially if you're considering this person, your, your mother, adoptive mother. Yeah. You know, because she even, she even says she barely remembers her, her parents. They were, she was very young. When they died, and this this uh, and Scover had been with her the entire time. She had been, you know, an actual mother to her. So I don't know, man. That's tough. That's a very tough uh, tough thing. I don't know if there's a right or wrong answer to it. Maybe there's a right answer. Maybe there's a wrong. I don't really know. Well, the the main thing is I. They pumped it up to like she made the right answer, and I don't think, like you said, there there isn't one. I feel like it would have been better if they made it kind of gray and acknowledge that she's going to run into issues because of this, and it didn't help everybody. It helped certain people, but also hurt certain people. Yeah. Yep. Well, I I don't have an answer for it. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to you know, kind of talk about it a little bit. But yeah, I mean, indentured servitude is, is BS, no matter how you slice it. It just is what it is. So, anyway. Uh, that's pretty much it, isn't it? Pretty much. We from there we go up. to Yeah. From that point, we go to <coughs> Reef choosing his master. So, yeah. We're pretty much at the end of the book now. And we don't have a all lightsabers raised <laughs> for Starlight in the end of this uh-huh. book, which is kind of nice. A little less repetition. Uh, yeah, I agree. 
I agree. But anyway. Well, um, I think that's about it. You got anything else you want to discuss today? No. I think we just kind of have to get to reviews now. Yeah, yeah, let's give it a ranking. What's your What's your ranking, man? Out of ten. Or out of five. Books are out of five. Movies are out of ten. Oh, you're making it harder. This is how it works. I'm going to give this book a 3.9. Okay. I would have given it a 7 out of 10. I just feel like this isn't a... It's it's an okay... It, it's more than an okay book. It is a good book. It really is. But there's just a little bit too much going on, too many characters, and it kind of diluted it to where we didn't get to really learn a lot about anybody. I mean, truthfully, we didn't really learn much about Reef, even, being the main character. Um, you know, it... It's a cool book, but setting up these plant people as a potential big baddie didn't really interest me all that much. It kind of fell flat. You know, there was quite a bit of buildup with these dark side statues, and it just fell flat at the end for me. And I don't know. it's, It's getting harder to see where this series is going, truthfully. So, but I did enjoy the book. It was a good book, and Reef is an interesting character, and I like to see more of him. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> let's see. What would I say? Um, I think <clears throat> that it's a pretty solidly written book. I think we're trying to cram too many characters in. Um, and yeah, the, the, the Dren gear, I'm not crazy excited about because it's like plants. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but we are diving into a lot of the vulnerabilities of the Jedi, which can both be annoying and interesting at the same time. So that's good. Um, I would probably give it a solid four out of five. Okay. I think that's where I'm at. Solid four. It's a good book. Um, but yeah, I mean, little little nitpicky things, which I think happen every time with about every book. But it's a good book. Yeah, agreed. Well, all right, folks. That's the rankings. Uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed today's episode. Let us know what you thought about our book or our comic or anything else, any theories, suggestions, comments, keep it, keep it holy y'all. And, uh, yeah, if you want to interact with the podcast, you can of course find us on Facebook or look us up on Twitter, follow us on Twitter at TC plan podcast, or you can just send us a good old fashioned email to TC plan podcast at gmail.com. And we'd be more than happy to discuss any theories on future episodes. But I think that's it for today. So you guys have a great rest of your week. And as always, may the force be with you.